Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Connect on blogtalkradio.com. Catch us on the web at umconnect.info. Well, welcome to this episode of Connect. I'm Michael Rich, the Web and Communications Manager for the Western North Carolina Conference. And today's guest is Carl Arrington. He's the new district superintendent in the Appalachian District. And he is the graduate of UNCCH, meaning Chapel Hill. And we'll let him go with that. But then he went to the other school, Duke Divinity School. And he has a doctor of ministry from Drew. Uh, He started ministry in the AME Church and then has been serving in our conference since 1992. And prior to moving in July to the cabinet, he was serving at Chestnut Grove United Methodist in King, North Carolina. So, Carl, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, so um, you are traveling today. You're down in Charlotte right now and talking to us by phone. And uh, this is a recorded show for everyone to know. And... Um, it will be uh, live on the 30th of September. So um, let's just get started with some questions. So tell us a little bit about your beginnings. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? And, you know, those kinds of things. All right. Uh, I actually grew up in the uh, northeastern part of North Carolina, uh, actually Halifax County, and grew up in the rural area. Um, My father was a farmer, so we weren't in the big city by any stretch of the imagination. Besides, there are no big cities around there. So, right. uh, and then I went to a uh, uh, school. Actually, it was named Eastman High School, and uh, it was a school actually at the time when I began from first to twelfth grade. And okay. uh, the interesting thing or curious thing about that was that our school mascot was actually a Kodak camera because the uh, land that was donated for the school actually was from uh, George Eastman, the founder of the Kodak Company. Okay. Very interesting. So um, there in the town, um, well, and you grew up on a farm. So um, where did you end up going to church as a kid? Uh, There was a church uh, called Wayman AME, and it was, I guess, about three or four miles up the road from where we lived. And uh, that was, of course, where I got my spiritual beginnings uh, and really loved Sunday school. And so I always look forward to that. So um, tell us a little bit about um, you went from high school to Carolina, of all places. What did you study Mm -hmm. at Carolina? Well, I started out for some reason uh, in accounting, and the reason I did that was because my older brother, he was the first to bring us to go to college, and he was in accounting, and I had this idea of being in business. And so that was the connection that I made. I was interested in business, but once I got to Carolina and started taking accounting courses, I realized that does not resonate with me at all. So I mm-hmm. ended up uh, majoring in industrial relations, and you're able to choose an area of concentration. And so I decided to choose the area of history. And what I really liked about it was that they were teaching you how to do research. And so I was able to go into the libraries and start going through these original documents 
you know, because you had to write papers and all. So uh, that was what I ended up doing, uh, thinking that that was a way of combining my interest in liberal arts and also my interest in business as well, figuring that at some point in my career I'd probably be working in some, some business field or perhaps between labor and business. So in, in the midst of that, tell tell us about your call to ministry. When did that happen, and, and how did you shift gears? Um, coming to uh, undergraduate school, uh, and coming from my background you know, of being raised in the church, um, and as I said, I had this keen interest in things religious and spiritual, and I was always interested in you know finding out the the beginnings, you know, what, how did the church start, and you know, learning about Greek and and the culture and in which the church developed. And uh, so when I got to college, and I was looking for a place of worship, and Ended up being involved in one of the small campus uh, religious groups. And so after connecting with that group, uh, it was actually a small group that came out of the African-American presence there on campus. And so we would actually uh, do things like go to community, different communities and go to their churches, and we would sing and we would conduct Bible studies and uh, those things like that. And so after being involved in that for a while, uh, I began to have this sense. I was actually at a worship service one day, uh, and so I was sitting there, and I was feeling really moved uh, that particular service. And within myself, I said, Lord, you know, uh, I love you so much. I could die for you. And and so people began to talk to me about asking me about the possibility of God was calling me into ministry which I was like, no, that can't really be so. And and I was remembering when I was growing up in church, um, I was connected with um, a group that, that my father was a part of. It was uh, several adults, and they would go out and sing. And what they had asked me to do, I guess I was about 12 years old or so, and they asked me to go with them and to act out the songs. <laughs> and so okay. I did that several times, and as I was doing that, uh, doing that, people would come up to me sometimes and say, you're going to be a preacher. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I don't think so. I don't see the connection between what I'm doing with these songs with being a preacher. I said, I can understand if you're thinking that I'm going to be an actor, because at one time, that's what I was really interested in doing was uh, pursuing acting. But... um after going through that and thinking about and reflecting upon, you know, what people were saying and how I was feeling about my relationship with God, uh, one day, you know, I was thinking about it, and uh, this thought came to me. It was like um, God speaking to my heart saying, you said that you loved me enough to die for me, but yet you're not willing to preach my gospel. Hmm. <laughs> and so, so when that came to me, I thought about it. I said, you know, I guess in some ways is it easier to die one time, you know, and then it's kind of all over, or is it more of a challenge to to live every day to God's glory? And so after that experience, I um, I said, okay, Lord, what's the next step? <laughs> and so 
having people around me at the at the college, the campus ministry at the time, you know, I talked with him, and I'm still a little doubtful. Like, ah, this can't work, you know. Uh, the deadline this year to apply for divinity school and that kind of thing, and you know, where am I going to get money to go to, you know, to divinity school? And everything just fell into place. <laughs> you know, I applied to uh, Duke and I was accepted, and you know, I was able to find you know scholarships or monies to go to school. And so, as they say, the rest is the rest is history in a certain way. Okay, that's how I was called into ministry. So you went straight from uh, Chapel Hill to Duke, is that correct? That's right. There was no gap, yeah. I went straight on after being graduated. And you went as a AME student, um, and uh-huh. you know there is an AME Zion Seminary down uh, at Hood. Uh, where is the mm-hmm. closest AME uh, seminary? The closest one, let's see, from where I live was Probably at the ITC Center, you know, down in okay, Atlanta. Atlanta. Um, okay. And then I think there was another one in Xenia, Ohio. <laughs> okay. Well, I and, think you made uh, a good choice in staying in North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think so. As I said, things seemed to just to work out and to fall into place when I started pursuing that. Which was what surprised me because I, I, as I said, I was still a little doubtful mm-hmm. that this was really going to work. Yeah. So you finish seminary and go into the church, and so tell us about your first experiences in a local church. And I'm uh, guessing you spent uh, a few years at, in the AME church. I did. Um, you know, in spite of the fact that I had friends that I had uh, met and. Had, Made in, in uh, seminary who was saying, "Come on, join United Methodist Church. Come on, join United Methodist Church." And so the very first church that I went to, um, uh, I was appointed there, and it was actually part of a two-point charge. And they were in the process of, of separating them to make them station churches. And I was I was sent to the smaller one, and the one the first uh, things I remember. Um, was that at, we had this meeting because they were trying to decide, you know, about who have the parsonage and we had with the, you know, the former pastor move out and that kind of thing. And you know, that's the first church meeting that I had gone to. Where I guess I was supposed to be in charge. And, oh um, and and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Because we got near the end of the meeting and there was like nothing resolved as far as where I was going to be staying. And then. Uh, it was almost like, okay, we're going to end the meeting, but uh, it's just too bad kind of here. And so one person stood up and said, you know, we can't do this. This man has to have a place to stay. And so we've got to make a decision. And it was at that point where I realized, you know, whatever situation I'm in, God is always present and always has some of his people there to make sure that what is good and right and just is done. Mm. And uh, after that, I went to the church and, and had a good ministry there. Um, and so that was it was a great, great uh, supportive experience from the people. Okay. So how did you uh, make the move from the AME Church to uh, the Western North Carolina Conference as a United Methodist? 
Um, again, you know, I had friends who had that I had made and people I had met while I was in seminary, and I did field education at a United Methodist Church, which happened to be uh, um, St. Matthew's in Greensboro. Oh sure. And uh Reverend Jim Faree was the pastor there at the time. So uh Okay. You know, I he was my first connections. Yeah. Ah. And so uh <laughs> after having that experience and you know, there was some as I looked at my experience in the AME church and things that I began to be interested in and want to focus upon in my ministry, uh, and people still talking with me, I said, um, I'm gonna make the step. I'm going to do this. And so um, that's how I made that transition. And, of course, I talked to Reverend Faree first <laughs> in my mind to see, okay, now what do I have to do to make this change? Hmm. And so I did, yeah. Very neat. And then you've been serving uh, since 1992 within the conference and uh, most recently were at Chestnut Grove. Um, mm-hmm. you know, any any experiences stand out in those years uh, from 92 to uh, 2015? Oh, there are lots of experiences. Is there anything in particular you like oh, to well, pull out? Uh, I don't want to tell anything embarrassing, but something that really stands oh. out and says, this is, <laughs> this is where I knew the work of God was definitely happening in my community. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, okay. As I said, I um, had learned uh, about, you know, was you know I was really grateful in those experiences where I saw God's hand moving and, and God's people coming forth. And, you know, because I've been in, you know, service parish ministry and also in extension ministry, so I assume you want to know perhaps something from either of those kinds of settings? Sure. One, one okay. story, because we're going to have to move to a commercial here quickly. Oh, okay. Again, one of the things that stood out was I did ministry with a, an organization called Rain, which was a um, organization, a service organization that uh, worked with people who were living with HIV and AIDS. And okay. so, one thing that we learned uh, in our training was that again, when you go to a church, uh, there is always going to be somebody there who uh, is moved by God's spirit with compassion and love and justice. And so that was always my experience, that even though you might go in a situation where people were uncomfortable, because that was at the time when people were, weren't very open and receptive to working in ministry with people living with HIV and AIDS. And so that would always be my experience, and I would always run into someone who said, you know, I have a friend or a family member who's dealing with this challenge, and what can we do? And mm-hmm. out of that, we were able to develop these care teams that will help provide spiritual and practical and emotional support for people living with with HIV and AIDS. And that was perhaps one of the most powerful ministries that I had been involved in, to just experience how God is at work in the midst of God's people, which gives me hope in virtually any situation where there might even seem to be a serious conflict. But I believe that if God is present, God has God's people that are ready to stand up and to be God's people. Excellent. Well, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back and talk specifically about you becoming a DS. So here's a word from Sally Queen of our conference staff. My name is Sally Queen, and I'm the Associate Director of Ministerial Services. 
By virtue of our baptism, we are all called into ministry. This call is being faithfully lived out in the communities of Western North Carolina as people of all ages participate in building God's kingdom. Others are responding to God's call to license or ordain ministry by committing to faithfully lead our churches in vitality. All who are called are using their talents and gifts to follow Jesus, make disciples, and transform the world. The United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina is a ministry of the church for the church whose mission is to build a church for generations to come. We fulfill this vision by investing in people as well as helping churches and related institutions invest the financial resources that God has given to them. My name is David Snipes, and we look forward to the day when you give your United Methodist Foundation a call. And you can find out more about the United Methodist Foundation in Western North Carolina at our sponsor page on the show's website, which is umconnect.info. And so we're back from the break with Carl Arrington. And so uh, I want to ask you a question. What was it like to get that phone call saying, Carl, you're going to be a member of the cabinet? Uh, I was a bit, I guess, uh, astounded, confounded, and uh, just surprised. Uh, it was the last thing I was expecting uh, because actually at the time I got the call, I was uh, the Board of Ordained Ministry was meeting that day, and that was what was on my mind. You know, we were meeting with the candidates and trying to decide as far as, you know, what the results of our interviews with them would be. And uh, actually the call came, and I saw the, the number on my phone, and I was like, why is the person calling me? <laughs> <laughs> and... uh because it was actually had the number of my former DS on it. <laughs> uh-huh. And what I realized that I had forgotten to change the name to my present DS <laughs> at the time. And so I let it go into voicemail. And uh, then before we started the meeting again, I said, maybe I better check this. And uh, then when I called the number, it was my present DS at that time. And he says, the bishop wants to talk to you this weekend. <laughs> oh, wow. So, um so uh, I met with you know I met with uh, the bishop that you know that weekend and I was I was speechless actually I didn't say very much at all. I understand. Well, you've been a DS now since July the first. You were actually installed, weren't you, about a week ago? But uh, or maybe just this, this past, past weekend. Sunday, but, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you. Um, uh, have been doing the job since July the 1st. What what were those first days like uh, as a new DS? You know, um, fortunately, our bishop uh, has a plan in which he allows the prospective DSs, you know, uh, to come in and sit with the cabinet for a little while to kind of get a feel of what it's going to be like uh, to be a district superintendent. And so you don't feel like he's just completely thrown in there unprepared. But the first day you walk in the office, or when I walked in the office, I was sort of like, okay, now what do I do now? But having good administrative assistance, they tell you, oh, you'll figure it out, or we'll tell you. <laughs> I hear you. And one, of the first, and one of the first things is you're going to start getting phone calls. Just be prepared for that. And they were right. Hmm. So I started getting phone calls, and, you know, issues were already emerging uh, that may have been new or may have been left over from uh, what had been going on uh, before I got into the office. So so uh, 
that was what it was like those first few days. Um, okay. You know, questions arising, then you're saying, okay, what is the answer for this? But fortunately, we had staff and support from the uh, uh, from the cabinet who say, you know, if you run into anything, you have any questions, any of us will call. And that has been tremendously helpful to have that kind of support. I hear you. Well, what has been the most difficult thing in the transition from being a pastor uh, to being the district superintendent? I think the most uh, difficult part is the fact that you're no longer a part of a specific faith community, per se. Mm. And even though you may have been serving as the pastor, you still had this sense of connection, and you still felt that there was something of a circle of friends, you know, um, that you could kind of uh, depend upon or talk to sometimes, uh, even though, you know, you're always careful to kind of watch those uh, those boundaries and so forth. But just being able to know that on Sunday mornings, you know, I have a place of worship, and even though I'm preaching, I still feel a connection with the rest of the people. Mm-hmm. So now it's it's like, okay, what do I do to get the same since perhaps of being connected with the community, since within you know within the conference, um, now when you go to a church, you know people see you as a part of staff and the cabinet, and and your role is different for them now. So that has been the part, you know, having to to navigate. I think this perhaps presents some of the bigger challenge as far as the change is concerned. Mm. Yeah, I think. Uh... And I run into the same thing as a as a member of the conference staff. Though I don't preach every week, and I don't go to all the churches like I I did a couple of years ago. Um, it, mm-hmm. it is kind of odd uh, to know that well, you're a part of this community, and yet uh, not really. And uh, right. and so I still, on occasion, you know, I'm asked to preach or uh, uh, serve communion or whatever somewhere, and. You realize, wow, this is really different um, than yes. you know years yes. of experience as a pastor, and so uh, it does take some getting used to. So, how many churches have you been in so far since July first? Oh, you know, I had planned on tracking that um, since July. I have, I've actually tried to go to one just about, just about every Sunday, and sometimes I've actually gone to two a Sunday. Okay. So uh, this is what, uh, July, August, so I guess, um, yeah, it's been, I guess about uh, about 10 or so, at least by now, I'm thinking, yeah. Okay. And, and how many too, uh, gone, churches you know, are there? Some in the meetings district? with some, yeah. Yeah. There's about 125 churches. Okay. 120, 25, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, if you go to one a Sunday, uh it's going to take you a couple of years to get to them all. That's so. right. So, so I'm trying to do maybe I try to do maybe a couple. It just depends. You know, I try to time it so that I'm close enough between you know the churches so that I can get to two you know, on a Sunday some, uh, sometime. I hear you, but yeah, that's uh, that's no small feat. And uh, you know, uh, across the denomination, it's happening that. DSs are getting more and more churches. Uh, you know, our conference went through merger, and uh, but it's true across the denomination that you know DSs don't have that uh, that smaller group of churches that they once did, and, and uh, that's just a, 
uh, a part of the whole thing. And and you live uh, up in an area uh, in Appalachian District where uh, you've got churches spread out, and it's not mm-hmm. easy to get to. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right, and or on you know they're higher elevation churches, so. Uh, even though it may seem that, that, you know, you just look at the miles from how far they are from mm. where I am at the district office. For sure. Uh, and I noticed that you one still with me, Carl? Oh, it's 30. I am? Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it buzzed it? out. That's what we get with cell phones these days. So. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I understand what you were saying in that, uh, yeah, it might say 30 miles, but it might take you an hour um, because of That's the right. curvy roads. and. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, my son, he goes to school in your district at Boone, at Appalachian mm-hmm. State. Uh, oh. Yeah, I, I've been to a couple of the churches around there, and you, you can figure, even though it might be eight miles, it, it took you 25 minutes and or 30 minutes <laughs> to get there. It's a different way of thinking. Mm-hmm, yeah. But so the, what the did the next... Uh, it's is, is beautiful, beautiful country, yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So what do the next several months look like as the DS of the Appalachian District? Uh, what I'm uh, in the process of doing now, you know, because, of course, we have charge conference season is upon us, so uh, the churches will be holding their charge conferences and, uh, you know, setting up goals for the next year. And so what I'm asking uh, the churches to do, of course, is that uh, we're having what we – and they started them last year with uh, when Lord Beth uh, Huffman was the district superintendent doing district dialogues. And so what mm. I'm, we're going to do that again this time. But what I would like for us to focus upon is finding some specific things or ways that we can help churches and pastors uh, address some of the concerns that they have. Like um, how do you uh, how do you reach out into the community so that there are people that you can begin sharing your faith with who eventually might want to become a part of your, um, your congregation, your, your faith community. Um, and once people begin coming to your church, what can we do to uh, help them to become engaged in the life and ministry of the church? Um, mm. And, you know, of course, we have concerns about stewardship, how do we financially support the ministries of the church in reaching out to the community and mission and sharing the gospel. So what I want us to do is, begin focusing on specific things that churches and pastors can do. And so they once they, we have these dialogues, they can actually have a simple plan in place where they can go back and they will have set a goal and say, this is what we're going to work on and that we are going to hold ourselves accountable by, you know, in partnership with our, uh, uh, you know, our congregational vitality uh, specialist strategists. And uh, so that's what I'm looking at because I know people can get so frustrated. They're trying to be faithful, and they're like, how do we do this? Give us some direction. So that's what I'm excited about doing and seeing how all that works out because, you know, at least if you set goals, you know whether you can, you'll reach uh, rather than things being really vague. And also I think people asking, show us how to do this. Hmm. Okay. Well, we've got about uh, a minute left. Is there anything else mm-hmm. that you want to say? This is your opportunity to preach. <laughs> Just always remember that we are 
all in this together with one another and that the one that we are following is is Christ. Christ sets the agenda, the agenda for us. And it's, as I tell people, remember, this this great production called life, God is in charge, not us. So uh, let's try to follow the lead. And I think as we seek to be faithful, God will surprise us in great and wonderful ways to let us see what it means to live as as members of the family of God and as members of, of God's kingdom here on earth. I sprung that on you, but you did a good job. You got into your little <laughs> sermon today. All right. So, so, Carl, thanks for giving your time today and uh, look forward to seeing uh, your work in the future and anything we can do to help. You let me know. All right. Thank you so very much, and I will keep that in mind. Yeah, so blessings on this upcoming season of Charge Conferences. And so Thank thanks, you. everyone, Thank for you. listening to us on Blog Talk Radio. The show will be available as a podcast at our Blog Talk page and on the show's website. And it's now available on iTunes. So keep up with us at umconnect.info. And we'll be back next week connecting United Methodists and their stories. Thanks to our sponsors, the Western North Carolina Conference and the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina. You can find out more about them on the sponsors section of the website, umconnect.info. I'm Michael Rich, and you've been listening to Connect.